listening to Answer the Call with Brandon and Kristen. Get ready to transform. Because life is too short to put your dreams on hold. Hello, and you are listening to Answer the Call with Brandon and Kristen. I'm Brandon Millett. I'm here with Kristen Heemstra. We have an awesome show for you today, a great topic that I know is going to be of high interest to you. What is it, Kristen? So today, Brandon, we are talking about how to be happier. That is really the topic of our show because who doesn't want to be happier? I know you and I are always looking for ways to do that. And so for today's show, we are going to give you strategies. We're going to give you techniques. You are going to lead with some real concrete things that you can put into practice that will make you happier. Awesome. Fantastic. It is this important topic. I mean, Declaration of Independence, it's right up there with life and liberty. So clearly very important. I know it is on everybody's mind. And, you know, you clued me into this guy, Sean Aker, for the, uh, who wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage. And he also has an awesome TED Talk, right? Yeah, he does. I love his TED Talk. Please go out and One watch One of the it. best I've ever seen. It's yeah. just fantastic. But one of the conclusions of his research, and he's a Harvard University uh, researcher, was that 10% of happiness results from external circumstances and 90% from how your mind interprets the world. And I found that absolutely fascinating. The idea that it's so much within our control to be happier. And it reminded me of this book I read called uh, Buddha's Brain by Rick Hansen. And he talks a lot about how our mind interprets the world. And from an evolutionary perspective, our brains are always scanning the environment for negative information, right? I mean, when our ancestors weren't able to do that, they didn't live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they got that eaten by saving the tigers. <laughs> that was the result. <laughs> you done. So in a way, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So our brains are constantly scanning the environment for negative information. And we don't even need to scan now, right? With social media and 24-hour news cable oh, channels, it's just our brains are flooded with it. So that's one way that we interpret the world, but there is a method by which we can overcome this negativity bias. And Rick Hansen has a great suggestion. When you have a positive experience, hold on to it, embrace it for at least 15 to 30 seconds, and then it becomes transitioned into your long-term memory and you start to create some new neural pathways. And I find that uh, exciting that we have that ability. And I know that it's a main point in Sean Aker's uh, work as well. Well, and Brandon, I'm going to take this into a whole woo-woo kind of level. Love it. You can just reject or accept or whatever. <laughs> so I'm really big into this law of attraction stuff. And one of the things is to hold on to these positive, feel-good memories and really get in and feel it. And part of what law of attraction says is that it changes your energy. It changes your vibe. It also changes your brain. You know, you've got all this neuroplasticity and you, you can, you are really the creator of your brain. People do need to realize that you are the one in control here. And so the, the philosophy is if you can get in there and feel that, then your brain, it's going to kind of know what you're looking for. And so you've changed your energy, you've changed your dynamic. And now what it's going to do and what your energy is going to do is attract more like experiences. And I find that to be very, very true. Uh, whatever you focus on, you're going to bring more into your life. It's just Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like we're Mulder and Scully. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> From the X-Files, like, you know, I do, I do embrace the woo-woo. I do. I always look for the science behind it as well. And there is science to back up exactly what you're saying. I mean, we are all energy. That's just, that just comes from quantum physics. That's, that's Einstein, right? Yep. So absolutely. I mean, this idea of holding on, that's why gratitude journals are so great yep. because they sort of, they get you in a perspective of being grateful for things and you attract what your mind focuses on. 
which is what Sean Aker was saying when he talked about how 90% is from how we interpret the world. So I'm excited because we have an awesome guest to talk about all of this. Uh, She's very well versed in uh, the happiness advantage and things around the topic of happiness. So tell us a little bit about our guest today. Absolutely. So we are so fortunate because we are going to be talking to Kelly Gangle. You are quickly going to realize that Kelly is one of the happiest people on the planet. Uh, Kelly is, uh, she's got all kinds of big titles. She's the Vice President of Human Resources at the North Carolina Biotechnology Center, which is a center that kind of supports within North Carolina, all the big Fortune 500 companies, all the big startups. Uh, North Carolina is very big in medical research and things of that nature. And her job is in part to bring in programs to help all HR departments that she works with. And she brought in this this happiness advantage. And she's going to be talking to us a lot about it and about the techniques that we can personally use. In addition, Kelly is one of the most well-read people you will ever encounter. And she has just really pursued positive psychology and has tons and tons of techniques and strategies that she'll be sharing with us. I love it. So she's going to be focusing a lot on happiness in the workplace. And I know that that's a topic, uh, top of everybody's mind. And I can't wait to dive into that. Uh, You know, I have a few questions for her around that in terms of the challenges people face at work, being happy. So let's do it. Let's talk to Kelly. So Kelly, Tell us, what got you interested in positive psychology? Well, I think it's always been in me. I mean, I think it's just a way of life. And, you know, I guess I believe in making the most of every single day that you have. And positive psychology is about that. It's really about really trying to be mindful about what you have in your life at this time instead of striving for something that you think you need. So, I'm not really sure if I answered your question because I think it's just, you know, I did the strength finders and positivity is one of my top strengths. And (laughs) so I think there's just a lot of negativity in the world, number one. And I don't even watch the news anymore. It's just too, um, you know, you, you just have to be careful with what you focus your attention on and your time and your energy. I guess I choose to focus on the things that, that I can control. And one of, that's one of the things I can do. I can control on what I, what I, what I want to focus on, what I want to think about, what I want to be mindful of. And I'd like to share that with other people too, as much as possible, because I think it's, again, like you don't, you only have so many days in your life. <laughs> well, okay. So I just have to jump in here because this is something that Kelly and I have very different perceptions of. <laughs> talk to us about the days in your life. <laughs> oh, you mean about the quote that I've told yes. you about? Okay. Yes. Well, I think I read this information about the average person lives only 30,000 days. And they have 30,000 days, um, yeah. the average person. So it's like, you know, you only have that many days. You got to make the most of what you have because you don't know how long you're going to have. So why do you want to spend your days being miserable and focusing on all these negative things and negative news and all that type of thing? When you put it in that perspective, that is rather shocking. It becomes a finite resource. Like you don't really think about that. Brandon, that's what I think. I think that's motivating. Kristen says it's depressing. So yeah. (laughs) 
Well, I think it is. I think it is motivating. And I think that to the extent that we can not think about the 30,000th day (laughs) about this one, I think that would be a good, that would be a good thing. You know, we were talking in the opening segment, Kelly, about this concept of news and social media, and you brought it up. And we're talking about how you know, the brain sort of has a negativity bias from an evolutionary perspective because we're seeking threats in the environment. And now we don't necessarily have to th- seek them. They're just thrown in our face every day in our news feeds. And so I guess I would ask you this question. In your work, how much does that play a role in the, I guess, dissatisfaction or unhappiness in the people with whom you work? Mm. Well, I think that's a big, it's a big problem. You know, your the workplace. They say that only thirty percent of the workplace, average workplace, is engaged. You know, and they they want to be at work. So that's that's a it's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's stress. Yeah. In, in people's lives, and um, you're a whole person, and so how you live your life outside of work is very common with how you live your life at work. I think that's one of the, going back to the question you asked about what got you interested in positive psychology, one of my missions, I feel, is about helping people thrive in the workplace instead of just surviving, because that's what most people do is they come to work and they survive and they say, I'm working because I have to get a paycheck or I'm working because I need the benefits. And it's like, you know, again, you go back to those 30,000 dates, <laughs> um, you know, you don't want to just be, you know, drudging into work and being miserable. So I saw a statistic recently that people who love what they do make twice as much money in half the time than somebody who merely likes their job. And, and I can't even imagine people who hate their jobs and how, how much less productive they are and happy but it really actually puts a a financial incentive to connecting with something you love to do. Yeah, Uh, I think that's, that is very true. And I think it it is, you can control your mindset and a lot of times, or actually what happens is when you think about people in the workplace, I'm just talking about myself. It's like when I can focus on things, like what are the possibilities? What are the opportunities here? What am I learning from this? Rather than focusing on, oh my gosh, this person is so mean or rude or, you know, these people are miserable. You know, it's like, it's, I've got to flip it and just think about all the opportunities and people can do the same thing. You know, just focus on what are you grateful for? What are the, what are the things that you're learning? That type of thing. It's, it's just a hard thing to do, but it's, it only takes two minutes, you know, just to start rewiring your brain. So there are a couple of things I want to recap here, Kelly, because you've actually just dumped out so much wisdom and I want to make sure people caught some of it. You talked about your mission, uh, your mission being to have a positive impact with some of the work you do. I do think that is one technique that I want to point out to our listeners about how to be happier is to feel connected and to feel purposeful in what you do. And you have always done that. You always have some mission. You are always very connected to the work that you do. And then the other thing that you do, which I find so remarkable, is I have seen in various instances where Kelly has had to deal with, I don't want to say negative personalities, but I don't know a different way to put, we'll say difficult personalities. And I really find your approach refreshing because rather than getting defensive and to your point, focusing on the negative, you keep an openness and a 
curiosity, like, okay, what can I learn here? And I think that's another way that people can release some of the negativity and stay in a happier emotional place is to manage that to your point, to manage your thoughts about it and such. Yeah. I love, I love the word curious. I think that's a really good um, mindset that you can be in is just really try to empathize or be curious about what's making that person feel the way they do or uh, be in that um, mindset at that time. And you can help them. You can actually help them by being curious. I do love that word and that way of being. So I'm going to be cynical guy for a second. I'm going to be the person. That's so easy for you, Brandon. I'm going there. (laughs) So I'm going to be the person who says, this all sounds great. It would be wonderful if I could, you know, feel purpose in my work, but I'm in a job I don't really love all that much. How do I become happier within my own environment, even if I'm not doing something I'm completely connected to? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, again, it's, you're not at work 100% of the time. So it's just setting little new habits. And, you know, going back to the happiness advantage, I just, I love, uh, it's not that Sean Aker invented these tactics, but he does do research on the tactics and what they can do for you. And, you know, just like two minutes of meditation a day, you know, it relaxes your, your brain. Or I guess what I should focus on is, is gratitudes. Uh Let's say you're doing gratitudes in the morning and you're just thinking about three things that you're really grateful for. Well, you can do the same thing at work. What we've started doing at, in, in the workplace at the center is, before a meeting, before we have a, a headquarters meeting, we always do gratitudes. We start out the meeting with gratitudes. So it's like it's people acknowledging other people about what they're grateful for. And it just could be little teeny things. You know, I, I had a really good pork chop dinner <laughs> with uh, roasted broccoli. You know, my daughter came and visited this weekend with her fiance or almost fiance. You know, it was for my, my birthday was this past weekend and I'm 53 years old and I'm very happy to be healthy and active at this age. You know, it's just things like that, but very specific things that you're grateful for. So I think you can do that in the workplace. You know, it's like, yes, maybe it's not the job that you love, but uh, another thing you could do is volunteer outside of the workplace. So you can make the most out of the job you have, but if you're not um, absolutely thrilled with that job, maybe there's some volunteering that you could do outside of work or even through the workplace. And I just want to piggyback on that because I think, Brandon, sometimes like one of the things we talked about initially was Kelly finds her mission. She finds purpose in what she does. And I do think there are people out there who go through the motions and aren't connected to their purpose, not only through work, but also through life. And, you know, there is kind of this feeling of pointlessness about it in their 30,000 days, which I think I am so not keen on this concept, by the way. Um, <laughs> what day are you on? <laughs> exactly. Like, we want to be thinking about it. Let's be there. honest. <laughs> like, there's yeah, now to your point. It's like finite. Like, you know, we're infinite beings. Why do you want to count the days? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving back. But I do think with the volunteer thing that Kelly was talking about, it can help refine that sense of purpose as well. Because volunteering to just go and you know do isn't necessarily going to be fulfilling or meaningful. You want to find a way that is fulfilling and meaningful to you. It could be cleaning up trash at, you know, a local river or park. 
for you, that may be just an amazing experience for someone else. It might be like the worst thing they can imagine. So this volunteer thing or where you would naturally put your time, even if you weren't getting paid, can be an awesome reflection back to you on things that are eventually going to produce a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. Right. Yeah. And you get outside of yourself. You know, you, you focus on something else. And, you know, I, I love, Kelly, going back to something you said earlier about the pork chop dinner and, and all that kind of stuff and the birthday and all I mean, stuff in my brain. Now I'm hungry. But um, no, the, we were talking in the first segment about this book I read called Buddha's Brain, talking about the negativity bias of the brain and how to overcome it. And one of the things that he suggests is holding on to a positive experience at least 15 to 30 seconds because then it gets transferred into long-term memory and creates some of those new neural pathways that we all want to we all want to create. But the other thing you said was this idea of gratitude. And it struck me as you were saying it, every time you're expressing gratitude, you're not complaining. And I think complaining is a cancer within organizations and within people's lives. And so have you found that in your work when you're dealing with a difficult work situation that complaining and negativity is a, a maladaptive practice? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I think so. I, I, um, Sean Aker would call that a social script. It's almost a social script. It's like, you know, you walk in on a Monday and, and so people want to complain about, um, you know, it's Monday, it's the worst day of the week, I hate to be here, versus uh, reversing that social script and thinking about, okay, gosh, you know, talking about what you were grateful for. They call it a positive outlier. You know, be a positive outlier, you know, reverse that, screech that to a halt. And um, people really don't want to talk about that. They don't want to go through the motions like that. But that's definitely, um, you know, I'm sure you've all experienced different cultures where there's just a lot of negativity and it, it only takes one person to be negative and to bring other people down. So it's, it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. And I do appreciate what you're saying, because I do think different organizations have cultures within them. I also think uh, you get cliques, which are super you know, again, I've, I'm the woo-woo person here, but people who have like energy tend to glom to each other. So when you have somebody complaining, you're going to have the other complainers, like they finally found a leader, like take us, take us to your negative place and they all are going to kind of shuffle away. And if you don't, or you're not in a large enough organization, you're not going to be able to find your tribe if you're super positive, you know, because it's hard to be a super positive person when that's the dominant narrative. And right. I do think that's an important thing to find uh, is your people where you need to be in an organizational culture. You know, we all know that an organization, your boss is important, but the organizational culture itself, um, and I teach a class on this, is, is super powerful. I mean, that makes all the difference. I'm going to throw a little Tony Robbins into this too. Um, oh, I'm, I'm a Tony fan. So a lot of times if you're experiencing an unhappy state or a depressed state. It has to do with your body and how you're holding yourself. So he talks about physiology first. And I remember when I used to take my daughter to like gymnastics or something, she'd be nervous and her, her body would be like, you know, caved in a little bit and she'd be withdrawn. And if we just could get her to breathe differently and to move differently, that could change her state uh, immediately. And I'd love to, Kelly, get into what your workshops actually look like. For some reason in my head, I'm picturing music and dancing and happy people. And I, <laughs> I don't, so what, when you work with a group and you have a workshop, what, what, what does it look like? Well, that is the opening is, is actually the happy, you know, the, uh, the um, 
Farrell, I, I forget what his name is, but he, it's the happy song. We start out with that. Nice. Um, and then, you know, the video and you can't not smile when you see that, but really it's all about just explaining the principles um, of positive psychology and that it really does start with you. It's not, it's not things outside of you. It really starts with you and how you can control that. And what are the five tactics that you can take on to help reset your mind to a positive state? So he talks about the five tactics of either meditation, gratitudes, conscious acts of kindness, also journaling about positive experiences. That's a really cool thing to do because when you journal about it, you're just re-experiencing the journal, the positive experience all over again. Um, and then 15 minutes of activity. So you were talking about your daughter and gymnastics and just even going for a walk. Sometimes that just resets your mind. And I, I can be more creative when, I, when I'm stuck uh, trying to work on some writing. If I go for a walk, sometimes it just releases a whole new way of thinking. Uh, but before the end of the workshop, all the participants have to take on one of those five tactics and they create a 21 day action plan. And so that's what happens before they leave. And they, they're, um, they hopefully will get an accountability partner because that's another really important aspect of creating a new habit is having an accountability partner. That's also trying to establish a new habit. So it's like a social accountability system. And then the other thing that they talk about is, Zorro circles. So it's like any human being as an adult, it's hard to make changes. So if you just make little changes, set little goals that you're going to be successful at, you can make little changes over a week. And then the next week you set it a little bit bigger. And then the next week after that, another, a little bit bigger beyond that. And there's another thing called the 22nd rule because you may have really good intentions today. It's Sunday. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to go and do all this tomorrow. But you can do the 22nd rule is just do something that helps you have that activation energy. For example, I'm going to go work out at 530 in the morning tomorrow. I've got to lay out my workout clothes and um, have that be ready right by my bed so that it it reminds me (laughs) that I have to do this. So that's what it looks like. And uh, then we're checking in during the next 21 days to see how everyone is doing. So that's what the workshop's about. Why 21 days? Well, it takes at least 21 days. I think it's a little bit longer than that, but it takes at least 21 days to establish a new habit. Mm -hmm. So you can't expect to just be uh, in a positive state of mind in the next day. So if you you have a plan and you're doing it and you're working it into your uh, daily routine, you're more apt to sustain it. And what I like about what you're talking about, Kelly, is that you have a concept and then there is action behind it. So the manifestation is bound to happen, right? Because you are like, you know, it's all the stages. You have an idea. We'll just say, I want to be happy or it's a, it's a general idea, whatever, however you want to do, I'll meditate, I'll journal, I'll do whatever. And then 21 days, you're going to have some manifestation. Like you're going to have some level of success. Of course, you're going to have setbacks, but you're going to have some level of success. And 20 seconds makes it feel like, okay, I mean, I would be guilted into doing anything for 20 seconds. I'm like, okay, I have 20 seconds of my day. Like I may be like, oh, I don't have any time. Well, okay, I do have 20 seconds. Like, you know, I'm actually going to apply this because one thing I need to do, I'm just going to kind of tell everyone my business here. 
but I need to get in better shape myself. So I'm like, I could probably do a plank for 20 seconds. I know I can't do a full minute, but I bet I could do a plank. And if I did it for 21 days, I bet I could actually get up to a full minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny when you said the 20 second rule, I automatically go to the food on the ground thing, but I think it's only three three seconds. 20 seconds is just gross. Down about the 20 second rule for food on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's just, just does not apply. But I think what what we're saying here and I, and I, I love the idea of it and it's, it's so useful to people, especially in society today where we're used to instant gratification and, and big things happening quickly. And the promises we're given is just appreciating incremental gain and celebrating each of those little victories. And you're so right, Kristen, every little change, over time, and you do see transformation happen. I mean, it's how you get out of shape, right? It's just one right. bad habit that you <laughs> repeat small ways over the next, you know, twenty-one days. Yeah, the food that's going into your mouth, yes, <laughs> exactly. So it's you know, you just apply the same strategy, and it's amazing to me how often we have so much control, but we 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 let it go. We just let our brains operate on autopilot when it's really yeah. within our power to be different. But uh, Kelly, I want to ask you about this idea of transformation when you're working with a group. Have Talk about some of the transformations you've seen from a negative workspace into a positive, maybe on an individual level, a group level, a corporate level. What does that look like for you? Yeah, well, that's that's exciting because I've had some, I've had a couple of different people who attended the workshops. One comes to mind right off the bat that she she was only in her, she's like in her low 30s, not very old. And she said that she had always, as an adult, had trouble sleeping through the night. And she went through the workshop and she decided to take on meditations. And after she was doing meditations before bedtime, she was able to sleep through the night for the first time as an adult after That's doing amazing. that. Think it really that. was. It was just like, oh my gosh, it just, it makes me so happy to know that it's helping people, you know, live a better life, you know, not just work. Uh, so if you're healthier at home, you're going to be healthier at work. Um, so they're all related. But that's one of the examples. Robin, who's our head of corporate communications, went through the workshop, and it's been over 500 days since she went through that workshop. She still does meditations every single day. Wow. And, uh, yeah, she's my partner uh, for Fierce Conversations, too. But uh, it's totally helped her, you know, just just kind of, uh, again, get into a, a positive state of mind. I've had uh, members of our board of directors that have attended who it just has made a difference in if they're keeping track of gratitudes. Uh, one of our um, vice presidents now works for Locus, which is a life sciences company. And I saw him at a conference not too long ago. And he said, Kelly, I have not done gratitudes in a while. And I said, okay, well, let's be accountability partners to each other. And so we started, you know, writing to each other once a week saying, okay, how are you doing? And he'd be doing his gratitudes every day. You know, it's just, it's just little things like that, that just, again, rewire your, your brain and help you feel in a better state of mind. So we do meditation Mondays at work. It's one o'clock. Anyone can come. So we have a number, we have about 10 people who just regularly come to meditation Mondays and it's just 15 minutes where they come in and do meditations and it just like resets your brain. So I had quite a few of them do a little testimonial about what they get out of coming to just those meditations. And they, they've said it just, it like resets, it resets their afternoon. You know, you usually you're energized when you first coming in the morning 
And then early afternoon, you're feeling kind of uh, a little bit tired. So you come to the meditation and they feel a little boost of energy and they're, and they feel calmer too at the same time. That's, that's a thing about meditation that people, you know, it does calm you down, but it gives you a burst of energy. There's no question about it. So it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. It seems like it would be contradictory to be calm and also energized, but for some reason that, that is the impact of meditation for sure. So there's a couple things I want to note here. One thing that Kelly is not saying, but if you're truly listening between the lines is Kelly has very much transformed this organization and the people within it. And she is not the kind of person who will put those words around it. So I will do it. Uh, The people who I've interacted with who have worked with her have found their organization and themselves transformed because what you're hearing in everything she's saying is not only does she bring in the classes, but then she fully implements them with a great deal of integrity. And we have all been in workshops and things where we leave and we're like, wow, I just got the most amazing advice or, you know, all this stuff. And then we do nothing with it. So things that could work just don't simply because they're not implemented. But Kelly's, all of her material is implemented within the organizational structure, which I know is a big challenge to a lot of people. The other comment I want to make is about the small incremental changes. One of the things that's very important to happiness, in my opinion, and I'm sure there's some research on it, is actually confidence and the ability to feel like you can make a difference. And those little incremental changes do boost personal confidence. Because when you do realize, it's a, it's a source of remembering your power. It's a source of remembering any, you know, how powerful you truly are. So I do think the Zorro circles or however you end up doing it, it, it if you don't acknowledge that you're the change, you're going to lose such a vital part of the energy that, that brings you into such a joyful state. Yeah, that's a great point. When you're focused on the, those incremental gains, you're focused on success and progress. When you're not, you're focused on the gap between where you are and where you want to be, and it can seem overwhelming. And, mm-hmm. and that's, I think, and you're right, it does build confidence, those little tiny gains over time. Um, I'm sorry, you were going to say something, uh, Kelly? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that um, it, it, it's almost like prioritizing yourself. I think that's really what this is. And so it does boost your confidence. It's like you're doing this, these little commitments that you're making to yourself every day. And it starts with you. And as you, eat, as you do each one and you accomplish them, so after a week, for example, you've accomplished what you set out to do, it does boost your confidence. It also, it also um, if you're being mindful of it, you can say, what, what did this do for my state of mind? How do I feel about this? And what impact did this have on me? And I think if you're really being mindful of that, it, it just reinforces and makes you want to do more of it. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that's become clear during this conversation is I need an accountability partner around gratitude. So would, uh, would one of you or both of you serve as an accountability partner for me? I would oh, yes. love to this, that. Is, this is being recorded. Please don't leave me hanging. <laughs> I would love to be your accountability partner. Great. Excellent. Around the subject of gratitude, maybe I'll just send you emails uh, yeah. that, that just express some sort of gratitude. And one of the things that I saw in the Sean Aker uh, TED Talk, I think it was the TED Talk, he mentioned sending an email a day to somebody within your circle telling them why you're thanking them, really, for, for doing something or being a part of your life. And I think that could be an extremely powerful exercise. Have you seen that work within? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we do that at the beginning of the workshops, too. 
And it's usually people you, who aren't going to expect a text message from you. So it makes you feel good. It's really about what it does for you and how you feel about it. But obviously, you're getting the message back from whomever you sent it to. And uh, so you're making their day better. But it's it really just it makes you feel more connected to that person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I do want to do a slight caveat here. There was a study out of Harvard on what makes people happy and relationships was one of the top things. And obviously if you are reaching out to people and telling them how important they are to you and how much you appreciate them and strengthening that relationship, the value is astronomical. Loneliness ranks up there with smoking and alcohol in terms of killing. So it's interesting, but your ability to connect and have these positive relationships enhances everything about your life. What I love about all of this is that today we have scientific evidence to back up everything that people sort of knew instinctively about positive psychology. When you're doing brain scans, for example, or you're being able to measure dopamine, there are actually biochemical reactions that happen. See, I'm putting on my Scully hat right now, Kristen, we talked about Mulder Mm -hmm. and Scully, but like the science behind it has been, has reinforced really. And also the the, the science behind meditation. And, you know, we, we see this on an anecdotal basis, but now there's also the evidence to back it up as well. Kelly, I'd love to ask you about, because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, okay, I would like to have more of this in my workplace. So number one, what would you suggest people do to get more information about positive psychology? And then also, you know, how could someone contact you and find out more about you and the work that you do? Well, they can definitely contact me via LinkedIn or my email address, but um, I would suggest reading some books. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's what that's what my go-to thing is, but I, I love the Happiness Advantage book. I just think it's such a great, it is a little bit longer, but there's, it's full of just um, experiences, experiments, and evidence about how effective the results are. You know, when you're using these tactics, these principles in your life, what it can do for you and what it's done for the people who have participated in the experiments that, that he's had. I would watch the TED Talk like you did, Brandon. It's the TED. It's uh, Sean Aker's uh, TED Talk. Uh, Barbara Fredrickson is another uh, professor. Um, she's written several books on positive psychology. Uh, she's actually here in Raleigh, which uh, Chapel Hill is. She's a professor there. So I would definitely recommend looking into. She's got a book called Positivity. So there's just lots of uh, information out there, but. I can be uh, reached by looking at my LinkedIn profile. It's Kelly Gangle, or you can reach out to me via email. And I've got both a personal email and a, a work email, which I'd be happy to share. I don't know if you want me to share it right now, Brandon. Um, yeah, actually, if you would share and also the spelling of your last name too. Okay. Yeah, it's Kelly and the last name is Gangle, G-A-N-G-L. Um, my work email is Kelly underscore Gangle at ncbiotech.org, and that's N-C-B-I-O-T-E-C-H dot org. And then my personal email is kgangle14 at gmail.com. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Kelly Gangle, just like that. All right. Wonderful. I I just wanted to make sure to get that in so people, because I know they'd probably be thinking about it. How can I get more information? But what closing thoughts, if any, do you have either Kelly or Kristen on this subject of how to be 
happier. Mm. Well, well, I want to weigh in here real quick because I just saw a friend of mine put up a quote and it was something about how we need to live our lives to be more, uh, it was very Calvinistic in its orientation. We need to be humble servants and we shouldn't pursue happiness or something like that. And it's just kind of an interesting orientation to have that you can't be both and. And the reason I bring that up is because to me, pursuing happiness is part of pursuing, you know how I'm woo-woo, pursuing part of your spiritual side as well. Uh, We do know that having a spiritual connection does lead to greater happiness. But I think if you follow what makes you happy, you, you do connect more with your spirit because your spirit's naturally happy. And then when you move into that space, I do think it makes a huge, it makes your connections more enhanced. It makes your life more enhanced. So I do think finding, you know, whether you call it your bliss, your happiness or whatever, finding that and really trying to build your life around that is something worth pursuing. Absolutely. I agree with that. I I think um, I didn't talk about it at the very beginning, but I think that the formula is broken. Most of America, especially, is always looking for, okay, what do I need next in order to be happy? I've got to get this great job. I've got to make this certain income. But if you really sit back and think about what you're grateful for right now, it can really make a big difference. And um, Mm -hmm. about appreciating what you really have in your life. And just starting with that, I think can turn your mindset around. Absolutely. I I guess I would add to that too. Watching your language, watching how you talk to yourself, there are certain words that will have a a negative impact. I remember years ago, I was acting in New York City. Okay, this is my quarter life crisis. But I had a drama coach and somebody would come in and say something like, I just had the worst audition. It was tragic. And he would say, no, the Holocaust was a tragedy. You just had a bad audition, (laughs) you know, but that person in their own mind had created this that just by the language they were using. And that has an impact on you physiologically and also mentally and spiritually as well. So I just want to say, watch your language, watch how you talk to yourself. And that is a big part of positive psychology. But I want to thank our guest, uh, Kelly Gangle. Thank you so much for playing with us today. And thanks always to Kristen as well, my uh, co-host here. But um, if you want to reach Kelly, we've given you the information. We've also given you a little reading list as well. So uh, again, thank you very much, Kelly, for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was great to talk with you, Brandon, from all across the world. And uh, Kristen, you're down in Florida. So we're, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Fun. What I would like to say is what you have heard in today's show you got some very concrete tips and strategies. Please do not just listen to the show and then ignore it. Please try, just pick one thing, whether it's to find purpose, whether it's to create a gratitude journal, whether it's to try meditation, do 20 seconds, whatever. Pick one thing and implement it in your own life and then let us know how it goes. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's working. We want to know what's not. So there you go. So you have just listened to Answer the Call with Brandon and Kristen.